You're listening to the Real Estate Investing Podcast with Dante Belmonte, here to help you start or continue your journey in real estate. Each episode, we bring you a different expert real estate investor who will share the secrets to their success so you can learn and benefit from their experience. Let's jump right into it. Hello, everybody. How are we doing? Thank you for stopping into the podcast today. I am your host, Dante Belmonte, and today with us, we have Travis Zappia, also the young retiree by 33. Travis, would you like to go ahead and introduce yourself? Thanks for being on the show today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, yeah, my name is Travis. So i 27 years old, um, started down the path of where I'm at today uh, two years ago. Um, but before that, just a normal kid, graduated college with an engineering degree, um, got a good stable job with a, with a good company coming out of school. Um, but really didn't know anything about the investing world, real estate, things of that nature. Um, had a buddy of mine who told me about to read Rich Dad Poor Dad. And uh, at that time, I hated reading. And, and I told him, nah, I'm good. I'll, I'll pass on it. But um, he's like, no, man, you, you really got to read this book because it's going to completely change your mindset and shift your perspective on where you're at in your life right now and where you could potentially be in the future. Um, so I took his word for it. I, uh, I read the book and I was just amazed uh, about the information. I, I mean, it's just an introduction to this whole new world that I had never experienced um, or heard about. So from that, um, I Googled real estate because that's what Robert Kiyosaki talks a lot about. Um, and I just said, hey, how do I learn more about real estate? And that's when, uh, when I ended up finding bigger pockets um, yep. online. And at that point, I just started consuming all their content, all of their, um, all of their podcasts. And just listening to what people are doing, how they're doing it. Um, and then at that point, I knew I was renting at the time. I was in Pennsylvania uh, living in the Lehigh Valley. And I was renting at the time. And I knew that like, hey, I'm done renting. Uh, like renting's not for me. Now it's, it's for some people. It, like it, it for sure is for people that want to be extremely mobile and, and whatnot. But for me, I, I knew at that point that um, I didn't want to rent anymore. So when I got a promotion to move down to Orlando for um, for my new job, that's when I was like, okay, I'm going to buy. And, and that's kind of where real estate started happening. Um, at that point, I probably didn't make the bit, the best decisions on what to buy. Cause I still was brand new and, and had never made a made, made a real estate purchase before. Um, but then stumbled into house hacking and, and just kind of snowballed from there. Awesome. Okay. So yeah. So guys, today's episode is really going to be about Airbnb because uh, that's a majority of what Travis does here. He does a really good job with that. I follow him on Instagram and that's how we got connected and I really wanted to have him on the show. And of course, because this is being recorded March 30th, we're going through the coronavirus or the COVID-19 issues at the moment. So the first half of the episode, we're really going to talk about Travis, his, his properties, his Airbnb and ask questions about that. And then we're going to get into the COVID-19 and how that's affecting his properties or even other people's properties. So Travis, you ready to go for it? Absolutely. Awesome. So let's start off with your portfolio. Give us an idea of how it looks, mix of units, how they're utilized, all that good stuff. Yep. So I have four properties now. Um, I have two or one single family home that I do long-term rent by the room. So that was house hack number one for me, the one that I bought when I moved to Orlando. Um, so that one, I, I do all long-term renting um, out by the bedroom professionals in a nicer area of Orlando uh, where there's a lot of cool things going on. Um, and then I have two townhomes um, that are closer to Disney World. Those are strictly Airbnb. One's a four-bedroom, three-bathroom. Uh, one's a three-bedroom, two-and-a-half-bath. Um, both in like vacation rental style communities that are, that are really close to Disney World. Um, where my main audience uh, and kind of who I tailor everything towards is is Disney um, and Universal. And then I just closed on house hack number two three weeks ago. Um, it's a triplex just southeast of downtown Orlando um, in more of a young professional area than, than my other home that I rent by the bedroom. Um, and this one, I have a little bit different of a strategy. I knew I wanted to, to get into smaller multifamily for house hack number two, but it's a... Uh, the triplex where the front unit is a two one. Um, and then you have a side entrance that goes into the back, uh, that is a stacked one, one on top of a one, one. So what okay. I'm going to this one is, um, I think Airbnb will, will end up working long-term, uh, for this, but I want to at least test the waters with the COVID-19 and all that crap. It's, it's been even more interesting, uh, right. long-term, uh, the two one so that I just had somebody sign a lease 
two days ago. Um, but now the, I'm pushing back their move date because of the closing of the borders in Florida. But uh, I'm going to long-term the 2-1, and then I'm Airbnb-ing the 1-1 below me. And then I live upstairs uh, in the 1-1. I also have a, like, in this triplex, it, it's interesting because there's, like, a shed in the back that they kind of tried converting early on to, like, a small 1-1 unit. Um, so I'm actually going to look at what it would take from a cost standpoint to potentially turn that into another Airbnb. Um, that would kind of be a cool little spot. I think it'll probably cost like ten, fifteen thousand dollars. But just gonna put pen to paper and see if the the numbers kind of pencil out. But that's my that's my current portfolio right now. We'll kind of see how how things go for the rest of the year and and what real estate prices do. Um, but high level, my plan is to I want to get at least three more properties this year. Um, and then continue to expand my portfolio um, to be a, like an end-to-end management because I enjoy the, the Airbnb management side of things, um, as well as adding more properties um, to my portfolio depending on how the real estate market uh, shakes up. Okay, awesome. So wh- what got you into Airbnb and why did you really take on Airbnb versus the long-term rentals for majority <laughs> of your properties? Yeah, so Airbnb actually started out after house hacking um, started when I first moved down to Orlando. So initially I, I had a buddy move down and he was just paying month to month, uh, 500 bucks a month. And then I started doing a little bit more research on, okay, like how much money could I, like, should these rooms be rented out for? And it was almost double what he was paying, um, for a long term. And then Airbnb, it was even higher depending on where you're at and, and things like that. So, um, that's when like, I tested out a room on Airbnb and it was kind of a different field because I had one long-term person living there and then I had people coming in and out for Airbnb right. <laughs> and the master. So it was kind of just a, a, not the best setup for a home for Airbnb specifically. So then, um, then on my 27th birthday week, I decided to take a week off and I was like, Hey, like I got to figure out what my next move is. Cause I, I had some cash, uh, sitting, waiting to, to deploy. Um, and I, I wasn't thinking about house, ha- house hack number two yet, but I was like, Hey, what if I started doing a lot of research on what if I did an entire unit in Airbnb to an entire place and, and what would that look like? What would be good areas? I started doing a bus, a bunch of research on just cost of houses, cost per night, vacancy rates. Um, and, and then I, I found a very specific area in Orlando that I really, really liked. And, uh, and that's when I was like, Hey, I got to pull the trigger. And like, you don't know until you pull the trigger and you actually see what happens and you yep. set everything up. Um, so I was like, Hey, like within a week I had a property under contract, uh, and like another month it was closed on. And that's when I was like, let's figure out if these numbers work. The, the numbers ended up being really, really good for that property. And that's when I got another one under contract uh, and closed a little over a month ago. So um, at this point, like I understand the numbers well enough and I understand the price points outside of the craziness that's going on right now. So with those things, I've been like, now it's just time to scale. Like if the numbers work and the property's the right property, like it's time to to scale. So that's where I'm at right now. Yeah. I mean, Airbnb can definitely bring in more potential income than a regular long-term rental would be. Yes. It can sometimes be a little bit more work, but sometimes it's worth it to make the property perform that much higher. So like, for example, one of my duplexes at the time, it was my fiance and I, and we were going to move into one of the units. The other one was long-term rental and we're like, okay, what are we going to do? I don't just want a unit to sit vacant. I also don't want to rent it out long-term or else we're not going to have a place to live. So I was like, why don't we Airbnb it? So like I literally took a picture of like the window and it had like the paint of the wall, like had the wall, the window and the floor, there's no furniture. And I just put it up as a placeholder photo while we were getting it furnished and everything. And we already started getting bookings. I was like, how is this possible? Like they don't even see the inside of the place. So then once we got it furnished, we made it really nice. We started getting more and more and more bookings to the point where we were at 20 to 26 nights per month booked. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this is, we just took a thousand dollar per month unit and made it $2,000 per month. Yeah. There's a little bit of work to it. So then we ended up leaving it as that. And instead of living there, we went to a different unit. And so that's the cool thing about Airbnb is you can, yes, it is a little bit more work, but you produce so much more income from the uh, Airbnb standpoint, which is awesome. Absolutely. 
with your Airbnbs, tell me a little bit about uh, pricing per night, what you do to make it more attractive than someone else's, how are you beating out the competition, and also where are you going to learn all this about the Airbnbs? Yeah, so um, I did a bunch of research to try to figure out, one, one to start figuring out what, what's the proper area, what's the area that the numbers look like they're going to they're gonna work, because if you know anything about Orlando and the market it is like it's the hospitality capital of the world and the amount of hotels and Airbnbs and everything is just absolutely absurd because there's so much tourism that that comes to Orlando for the parks and, and everything else. So um, the first thing was really understanding um, different price points based off of more or less how many guests could could stay at the property. Um, so and, and then like specific areas that have higher occupancy rates than other areas of Orlando because there are certain pockets of Orlando that um, because of county restrictions or because of some other various factors, um, a lot of people, when you search for Orlando, that's not where the things on the map pop up. So like mm -hmm. it's not very likely that you're going to pop up on that first page, which is what you want um, so that you get a lot of exposure and a lot of bookings. Um, but my, my uh, pricing is a little bit different by property. So my four bedroom, three bathroom, um, off season, which like there's not a lot of time that's considered off season, but the couple months a year that are considered off season, it rents for about $110 a night. Um, and then all the way up to $160 to $170 a night, depending on uh, like if it's spring break or- Do you do a cleaning fee with that? Yep, yeah, so that's a, so it's $110 cleaning fee um, and my cleaners charge me $100. So. The $10 additional that I make off the cleaning fee more or less helps pay for other stuff that I provide for the guests. So you said it was 110 a night plus 110 cleaning fee? Yeah, one, yeah the okay. one-time cleaning fee, 110. Um, and then for, for the low end, $110 a night. Um, and then normally it's around 125 to 145. And then during like normal months, and then the high season, it's between 155 to 175. It depends on what the guests do because I also offer like early check-in, late check-out. I also offer to eat the pool for an additional $20 a night. So there's other income streams that I can bring in. Um, it really just depends on like what they want um, and how I can tailor the experience to, to that particular guest. Yeah, uh, that's awesome. I mean, you make yourself real in the situation. It's not just uh, um, everything's autom automated for the most part. I mean, which it is, but you're yeah. actually making yourself as a real host. It's not just they go in, you never talk to them, they're out, and they're, that's it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so that's so that's for the 4-3. That one has a private pool, um, and it's in a really nice community that has a tiki bar, pool, uh, spa, sauna, everything that you could want. Wow. Um, okay. The other ones that I have, three, two and a half. Uh, so a little bit smaller and no private pool, but there is a community pool, um, with a workout room and, and a nice little lobby area. Um, so that one right now is before everything, uh, to start it off for the first month to get it seasoned. I had it at 75 a night. Um, I think during the regular time of the year, the regular months, I think it'll be right around a hundred. Um, and then the high season, I think it'll be right around 115. Um, but with everything going on at the the prices I've pretty much slashed to they're like four right now. Um, right. They're fluctuating a bunch. Do you have a cleaning fee on that property as well? Yeah, that one is a cleaning fee of a hundred dollars and uh, okay. cost me 90 bucks. So typically what I do with my properties is I'll, I'll put the cleaning fee $10 higher than the, uh, than what it cost me just to be able to handle some of those miscellaneous things that are, that are naturally going to come up over time. Oh yeah. I mean, even the, the cleaning fee is a hidden income source where it doesn't show immediately when they book. I mean, obviously you don't want to overkill it where if they charge you a hundred dollars to clean it, you, you're charging 150 to 160 dollars. Cause that gets kind of ridiculous, but $10 per time. And let's say you have, I don't know, 10, we'll, we'll say five to 10 different stays. That's 50 to a hundred dollars bucks additional each month, you know, that you're starting to accumulate and there's part of your utility bill, you know, so that's definitely a, a hidden income source through the Airbnb. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's something that like, it's always the first piece of feedback that people get when one of the first piece of feedback that people say or ask when you say you do Airbnb is like, well, what about cleaning? Like, no, you make the people staying pay for the cleaning. Like yep. it's not, Yes, it's a it's an expense, but it's also like you were saying, it's a piece of the income as well. So you, you got to factor in that, like you're if you set it up right and like you understand what is for for cleaning, 
then you don't have to take on that expense 100%. You could even make a little bit of money or like create some sort of buffer where it, it helps mm-hmm. pay your utilities. Definitely. So you have it, let, let's just cause we're on that right now, we'll go over into it. So for the cleaning side, you have cleaning, <laughs> do you have multiple cleaning crews, one cleaning crew? How do you coordinate with them when it's going to be? How, do, how does that all that work? Yeah. So, um, right now I have two different cleaning crews. Uh, one is a lady that I found through turnover BNB, which is a, a very commonly used, uh, website that a lot of people will like, you can be listing it'll, it can sync to your calendar. Um, and then you can have people that, that bid more or less on, on cleaning the property. Um, so I found her through Airbnb, through turnover BNB. And then the other one, um, I actually found through the real estate agent that I used to purchase the property. He started his own management, uh, company more or less for short. Mm-hmm. He tried to get me to, to pay him to manage my stuff, but I told him, no, I got the management piece. But like, if you want to help me with cleaning, like I'll, I'm more than happy to, to let you handle cleaning. So, um, for specifically what I've done with the cleaners, um, cause I don't use turnover BNB. Uh, I don't use their software because of what they, what they charge for, for each, each time to the, I'm, I'm sure they charge the, um, who's cleaning and I'm sure I think they charge hosts as well. So what I do is, um, I set up my cleaners as co-hosts on my Airbnb so they can see my calendar. Um, and then I can automate different messaging here and there, um, just to make sure that like they, they know when they need to clean. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think you don't need someone to management the Airbnbs unless you're getting, you know, 10, 15, 20, where it starts to get out of control, but you're in that range where you're in like that three to five range where it's not completely overkill and you can manage it. And it's, it's kind of fun to manage too, talking to different people, like where I'm at in central New York, Syracuse, I probably told this on the podcast already, but um, I like interacting with some of the people to see where they come from. Like last month I had a couple come from uh, Germany or Great Britain for a laser tag tournament in like central New York. And it's just like funny to talk to different people about what they're coming to the area for. So that's pretty Absolutely. cool. When you're looking at these potential properties to purchase, are you using any programs to look at potential income or how are you looking at it to make sure the numbers work before you go ahead to purchase a property? Yeah. So when I, when I first started looking, what, uh, the software that I use is called Mashvisor. Um, so there's two from, from like the research that I've done, there's two common programs that are used. One is AirDNA, uh, which is the more popular one that a lot of people have heard about. Um, the other one is Mashvisor. Now what I looked at both programs to try to understand like what's different, like what's nice about one versus the other. What I found was, and this could not be true anymore, but what I found was AirDNA's data seemed to be, be seemed to be very outdated. Mm-hmm. So do is I would like I did the free trial on AirDNA, I did the free trial on Mashvisor, and I would I would pull up the map, I would go in and click on the listings to pull up the Airbnb and try to like look at people's calendars and randomly pick dates to see what the prices were and like what they were already booked. And I just saw like some really weird variation from the AirDNA data that I I didn't feel comfortable like moving forward with. So I, that's when I felt a lot more comfortable with the numbers that were being shown in Mashvisor. Um, just from a projected income, uh, vacancy rates, all that stuff. Um, so Mashvisor was the, the software that I used. I think, um, I think it was like 300 bucks for, for a year. Um, so it's, it's not cheap for sure. Not cheap, but when you're making a big decision, like, uh, purchasing a house, you want to make sure that you, you have as much information as you possibly can. Yeah. Invest in, in the income there, invest properly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I was, I started to use the air DNA. And I also noticed that the, the numbers were kind of skewed. I mean, I, I just took my property as an example, clicked on it on there and I was like, those aren't the numbers at all. Those aren't the vacancy rates. That's not what I'm charging per night. Like it was predicting these numbers that I knew hundred percent were not accurate. So that's why I stopped using um, that program. Have you uh, read optimize my Airbnb? I, I uh, have messaged him a couple times. I haven't read his stuff, but like I, uh, I've messaged him a couple times, and I, I'm familiar enough with a lot of the stuff that he talks about from a lot of the other research I've done and listening to. I listen a lot to uh, Get Paid for Your Pad, the podcast, really, yep. really good podcast, um, specifically about Airbnb. And uh, I've talked to um, to him a, a few different times, uh, just like quick messages here and there. Um, 
but yeah, I've, I've learned most of my stuff through that verse. I haven't read, um, optimized BNBs. I know he has a, he has a book that a lot of people really, really like, but yeah, it's around here. I'm actually, so I just got back from Turks and Caicos and that's what I was, I was reading. So I'm like halfway oh, through it, just checking out. It's, it's pretty good. Um, so when you, when you're buying these properties, are you doing any work to them? Or are you just going in and furnishing them? Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I, I honestly don't know about other markets, but the interesting thing about the Orlando market um, where I'm buying properties is a lot of these properties are being sold, the ones that are by Disney. A lot of the properties are in areas or being sold by investors that live in the area that um, most of the listings come fully furnished. Now, wow. the challenge with that is that there's good and bad, but the good thing is they're furnished which is awesome because that's expensive. The bad thing is what they're furnished with. The ones, a lot of the ones that are being sold are like ugly, like 1980s looking. Yep. It's disgusting. So for, uh, for the two properties that I have down there, um, I kept most of the inside. I just had to like, I, I bought um, just basic like mattress pads to make all the beds more comfortable. Cause I didn't want to go through and buy more beds, uh, all the protectors, um, new decor for all the walls, um, new pillows, all that stuff. So it, that's the the, the kind of cool thing about a lot of these places in Orlando is they they come fully furnished. Um, some of the furnishing just isn't the so not stylish, out of date, yeah. ruined. Yep. yep. Now, have you had any ones where you've had to furnish yourself the whole unit? Uh, the one that downstairs in the triplex. Uh, that okay. So that one. Um, I bought a new futon. It's a, it's, it's a one, one. So really, really small. Um, so it wasn't, it wasn't that expensive to, to do, but, um, yeah, that's the only one that, uh, to furnish the entire thing. Now, when you're going to refurnish or replace, or you're going to, uh, um, basically furnish that whole one unit in that triplex, is there anywhere particular you're going to go? Are you ordering online? Are you going to stores? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of really good in Orlando. There's a lot of, um, those kind of discount factories um, that are are all over the place, and uh, and those have been really really good to to get a bed set or like just a, a complete furniture set within the uh, for a bedroom living room whatever. And then for a lot of the decor stuff, I've been going to at home. Um, I found a lot of luck just like literally walking through the entire store and and like trying to find a theme that that worked based off of the different things that they had. Um, so I really liked at home uh and the selection that they have yeah that's pretty good i think at home uh we, we go to like marshall's and tj maxx around here for decor um but wayfair you can like make a business account with wayfair and that's where we order a majority of our furniture and it just gets shipped right to the property it takes no time to take apart and build um so for anyone on here that's listening that's wondering where to you know furnish for your airbnb i think wayfair is a really good option um Let's uh, talk about the numbers a little bit on like the properties. So talk to us a little bit about um, what kind of loans you're taking out, how you're funding the loans or the down payments, what your payments look like, how you structure that, and then where the income looks like on your return as well. Yeah, so for, for both of the uh, townhomes, I did 20% down um, conventional. So just your standard 20% down conventional loan. Um, one of them is, was an interesting deal where I had to bring some some extra cash at closing just because the appraisal came came back really really low. Um, I I knew the appraisal was ridiculous, but it actually helped me negotiate the price down uh, another five thousand, so I didn't get it reappraised. Um, but I had to bring more cash to the the table at closing. At the four three mortgage is around uh, I think it's around a thousand fifty a month, and the three two and a half is around nine forty or sorry nine seventy a month. The insurance ended up coming back a little bit higher than than I expected um, on that one. But um, yes, that one I did twenty percent down conventional as well, and then um, from from a cash flow perspective, the most months right now have been around um, before all this stuff have been around between 600 to 1400 a month in cash flow. Um, that's after all expenses, HOA, because um, that's another thing with where I buy uh, the properties down in Kissimmee is the HOAs are pretty expensive. Um, one of them, the 43 is 350 a month, but um, they take care of all exterior, um, everything, roof, 
Um, that, that includes internet and cable and they have like HBO and like, they have like seven. Oh, wow. Okay. That's, that's nice. And that helps out with like CapEx expenses too. Exactly. So it's one of those things where it's like, it's expensive, but what you get for that price is super cheap. Um, trash removal, everything like they, they take care of it all and all the amenities within the, the place. And then the other one is uh two forty a month, um, which I wanted to buy in a couple different, uh, a couple different communities to kind of understand what's different about the communities, what they offer, what they don't um, right. include in the cost. Uh, so now I think I know very specifically which, which uh, area I want to buy or like which particular um, spot I want to buy in um, just because the, what you pay for what you get is just so much better um, than some of the other ones. So now I know when I, if I'm going to look at new areas or new resorts, vacation rental resort, I know specifically what questions I want to ask to understand what comes with the HOA fee. Um, just because it, if you don't understand exactly what you're getting and you want to offer cable or internet and all that stuff, like your utilities can spike 150. Oh, yeah. That's easy. Uh, if you don't know what you're doing. Right. And did that say, did you say that includes like your actual utility bill, like heating and cooling or that doesn't probably right. No, that, so that's, that's the, um, the 24 hour gave security, all the minis and then internet and cable. Okay. I mean, that's still a pretty all sweet exterior. deal. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's all exterior. So I don't have to worry about lawn care or anything like that. And then also roof. So, and the HOA, one of the other things I did when I did research on that property is the HOA doesn't, uh, hasn't hiked their prices at all. And the, the place has been open for, uh, 2004 is when they opened. So 16 years. So it's been a, the same, the same monthly fee every single month for 16 years. Um, so like that's, to me, that's a positive, that, um, like the prices aren't gonna, you're not gonna have an HOA where the prices steadily increase over time. Yeah. I mean, that's nice. That's definitely something you want to look at because that can have an effect, a direct effect on your cash flow for the property. Um, with that, those properties that you bought looking again, more at the Airbnb, not the, uh, the single family, uh, what was like the purchase price on those properties in that market there for you? Yeah. So the four, three was two ten, Um, and then the three, two and a half was one eighty. Okay. So, so that's um, not bad at all. Yeah, so, so pretty reasonable prices. Um, but yeah, I, I think I'm going to stick with, I really like the four, three model, especially with a pool. Uh, and that's what I think I'm going to stick, um, moving forward. Or that's what I'm going to try to target moving forward. Um, I think three and two and a half is is a good size as well. But a lot of the families um, that are coming to Disney and, and Orlando, they really want a pool, a private pool in their house uh, and w- wherever they're staying, uh, as well as the resort pool. So I think in the future, that's more specifically what I'm gonna gonna target. But now those like those homes or townhomes are going from uh, two thirty to two seventy. Like even within less than a year, like all of the prices have have continued to steadily increase. It's going to be interesting with everything going on today, whether or not we see a cool down in 30 days or, or like pretty quick. Um, and whether or not those prices come back down a little bit. Yeah. So that, I mean, that's pretty cool, especially with the, uh, real quick, I was going to quick story where you've got the four bedrooms, the private pool. So I just came back from my honeymoon Turks and Caicos and we decided to stay at a luxury Airbnb rather than resort. So ours was pretty cool. It had the private pool and it was, it was beautiful. It was right on the water. And so we, I, being that I do Airbnbs, I invest in real estate. Of course I was interested. I was digging a little bit and who owned it. So it was this one company that owned about 15 of them on the Island. And so we went like we saw all of them and there was this one I kid you not, was thirty six thousand dollars a night, thirty six k a night. It sleep. Uh, it had. Uh, it sleeps eighteen people. I have as a private chef, a maid, uh, a butler. It was just so. It's very interesting to see how all these people do different ty- like sources of Airbnb. I mean, I know some people do the bottom of the bottom, where they rent for ten dollars a night for a bedroom, all the way up to thirty six thousand dollars a night for you know a whole family on a beach resort. But I mean, it's cool. It's worth it. So I, I had a really good experience with doing an Airbnb outside of the country and it was luxury Airbnb. So it's not, you don't book it through Airbnb, you look it through luxury resorts and, uh, but it is Airbnb. They just want you to make you feel a little more exclusive, I guess, so to speak. Um, with that four bedroom, how many does that sleep? Does that sleep eight, six? How do you have it? Yeah, it, sleeps, it sleeps eight. Um, I have on the listing, it could sleep nine because uh, the couch pulls out, um, but it's not. 
overly comfortable. So uh, it comfortably sleeps eight, and then um, I charge an additional $10 per night if they have nine people, um, and, and it can sleep nine. I just let them know, that, hey, it's not, it's not the most comfortable thing. Right. <laughs> sleep at your own risk. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. So anything else you want to talk to us about, about your properties, Airbnb, anything I left out that you wanted to touch on? Because we're just going to kind of switch into a different segment now. Uh, no, I mean, I think you touched on it a little bit earlier, but what I would say, because a lot of people, when they think about Airbnb, the first thing they think about is, well, that's going to take a lot more time, um, a lot more of a time commitment than long-term rental, which is is true to an extent. But what I would say is once you really start doing your research and, and understanding the, some of the different platforms that are out there and how to set up your Airbnb, like how to physically set up the property with smart locks and, and new thermostats and stuff like that, um, there's a way to automate a lot of the mundane tasks, what I would consider a, a, just a, a task that you're going to need to do for every guest. So the, the level of effort, um, I actually feel more comfortable putting something on Airbnb and getting it rented out than I do finding long-term tenants. <laughs> yeah. No, I hear you. I hear you. And, uh, and I would just say like, it's, it's really interesting because it does take a little bit more time, but I think if it's something that you enjoy and, and you enjoy the hospitality side of things, I, I think it's something that's well worth uh, a little bit of time investment. Yeah. And you could definitely turn, you know, an okay deal into a great deal when you Airbnb it. And uh, again, just real quick before we go into the next segment, cause I don't think it's going to be as long. Um, so with all, when you're looking at people who are inquiring, do you have them on automatic uh, booking? Like if they meet like a certain star rating or how does that work? And then have you had any bad experiences with someone you've had come in and just really abuse the property or was not a great guest? Yeah. So I, I allow um, people automatically book if they have five reviews and they're recommended by other hosts. Um, Cause I don't want to have to manually do anything to go in and, and check. Like I, I trust that if other hosts say that somebody's a good guest and then uh, hopefully they'll, they'll treat my property just like they treat theirs from an experience standpoint of bad guests. I've only had one bad guest experience. Um, I think, I don't know the exact number. I really need to figure this out, but I think I've had probably a little over a hundred stays like different unique stays um, mm-hmm. across properties um, and maybe a little bit more. Um, and I've only had one experience it was, it was actually the first month of my Airbnb experience, uh, at the four bedroom, three bathroom. Oh, that put a good taste in your mouth, right? Yeah. So it will, it was interesting because, uh, so essentially it was the low time of the year and brand new Airbnb. So the worst part about those two scenarios is you have to slash your prices so much and your the prices are already like really, really low. So what happened was I, I had such a low price um, and there's a lot of people in Orlando that understand the September month is the month where um, people can get really good deals on coming in. And it's a lot of people that are going to throw parties at your place and stuff like that, that will, will end up booking and even locals that will end up booking and, and just to throw parties at your place. So I had this one guest uh, who I still remember it Tuesday it, during the state, nothing like nothing came up, like no issues. I think they stayed three nights, four nights. Um, I don't allow for pets in my Airbnbs because I just don't want to deal with that. Um, and they had pets. They left uh, like the plate trash everywhere. Like it was, it was just not good. They they didn't do any damage to any of the furniture, but like I had to buy new sheets and and all this stuff. So more or less, like the that's another thing that people get really worried about when they talk about investing in Airbnb and and managing it. But what ended up happening is this is just a basic normal process that cleaners do. They take pictures of exactly what it looks like when they walk in. So like it's, there's no if, ands or buts about like, Hey, like this was the next guest. Like they, the first thing they do when they get there is they take pictures of exactly how everything was left. They sent the pictures to me. Um, and then at that point, like I, I literally just filed a claim and, and I sent the invoice to Airbnb with all the pictures um, of what I had to replace, all the receipts, everything. And, uh, and then Airbnb reimbursed me two days later, three days later. Um, yeah. It was one of those things where like, I've only had one bad experience. You can definitely weed out if you're, if you're a good host and, and like you understand what to look for, you can definitely weed out um, some of the people that you just maybe won't 
feel comfortable or you like you try to ask them what what do they come to town for and you just don't enjoy the answer that you get um it's completely okay to not accept a reservation as a host um but yeah i've only had one bad experience uh so far and it really wasn't you gotta you gotta know as a host that things are going to happen no matter what like things will happen and you just got to be able to solve the problem and move on and not let it emotionally get to you and, and drink because if yep. like, you're worried about what a guest is like, what kind of review a guest is going to leave or how they're going to leave the place. Like this business isn't for you because it, it's just like, you're, you're going to be worrying every single day. And if, from a health standpoint, it's just not going to be good for you. Right. It's not, if something happens is yeah. when, cause something's always going to happen. It's just a matter of time and that's just reality of it. Um, but it is nice how you can put claims through Airbnb and they're typically very good about it. I've had one bad experience as well. Of course it was on New Year's Eve and I was in Washington DC. So I was like eight hours away from my property and the tenant upstairs, they're, they're being super loud. It was like three o'clock in the morning and they trashed the place. They must've been smoking in there or something. Cause they took the smoke detectors down, like put them in a cabinet. It's just a mess of the place. And so, I mean, that happens every once in a while. And then this one time it was funny. This it had to be a kid. He's like, Hey, do you uh, rent to people under the age of 20? And then, that. yeah. And then it said like, you could see he had no reviews <laughs> and it said he just created the account that month. Yeah. And then I was like, I just declined it. Cause I was like, yeah, not happening. And then a girl messaged me the same exact thing. And it was like, no reviews, no, like literally five minutes later. And I was like, all right, these two kids are like probably trying to like hook up my Airbnb or something. So <laughs> it's like not going to happen, but yeah. So that's where you just need to, you have to weed out the, uh, the, the bad tenants or the people that. So, so it's interesting. The, the two things that I would say for like kind of weeding out some of those bad people and you, you touched on it there. One of them is really important for kind of weeding out some of the bad guests or potentially some of the bad guests. One of them is like somebody that just created an account. Like you always have to ask more questions for those particular individuals. Like, Hey, have you stayed in an Airbnb before? Like what questions do you have about the property? Cause one, there's either one of two things, either they, they were a bad guest and they got left a bad review. So they're creating a new account. Or two, they actually haven't stayed at an Airbnb before and they want to try it. And yep. they're just trying to, to get the experience and figure out what's going on. So um, be weary of people that have, uh, that have just created an account. And the second one is really pay attention to somebody that's had an account for an extensive period of time that doesn't have any reviews. Um, because like something's off about something just might feel weird about that um, because it's very... It, it's very unlikely that hosts haven't left a review on somebody if they had a bad experience with them. So if they've had an account for a long time and they have, they don't have any reviews reviews post after, after 14 days, I think it's 14, 15 days after the guest checks out. Mm-hmm. Don't have any reviews and they've had the account for a year, two years. It just ask more questions about like, Hey, what are you coming to the area for? Like just try to get some more information about them because those are, those are certain ways that you can you can help protect yourself against uh, potentially bad guests. Exactly. It's kind of like your pre-screening. I mean, there's been plenty of times I've declined people because either A, they have a really bad rating, or, or B, I, you know, I can read the reviews and someone said, oh, they were rude, they abused the property, or even like you said, it, it's really a gray area when they have no reviews and they just made an account because either A, they have a really bad account out there that they remade, or B, they're genuine, they're actually trying to use this this service, this program. And they have to start somewhere. So, but like you said, there's different ways, you know, you can make claims, you can get reimbursed for those different things. So uh, that's definitely a helpful point. And I think that's going to give people a little more confidence and we don't tell people these stories to make them afraid or not want to invest. It's just being honest, educating and being real. So let's uh, dive into the sector talking about coronavirus COVID-19. So obviously that's something that's huge right now. Half of us are working from home. Half of us have vacant units. I mean, it's really, it's really rocked this world like nothing I've ever seen. I mean, I'm, I'm young, so it's hard for me to say nothing I've ever seen, but just nothing yeah. I've ever heard of. So how is that affecting your units? Because I know Airbnb is taking, uh, so to speak, a turn for a worse when this is happening. Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, so, uh, so last month was, I was projecting to be my highest grossing month ever. Um, a little, it, it should have been right around $10,000. Uh, gross income and uh, immediately when Disney announced Disney and Universal announced on the same day that they were closing <clears throat> and this was early on I don't even remember what date this was but this was early on um, in the process all of a sudden like the people that had booked weren't 
a hundred percent sure of like what was happening because it was still so early on and, and everything coming out and yeah, like uncertainty China. Um, but like <laughs> literally two days later when, uh, when like people started to settle in, like I had a hundred percent cancellations. So literally everybody that was going to be coming in, whether it was from out of country, out of state, um, everybody canceled Airbnb. Um, they're supposed to have a conference today at, at 3 PM. Yes. I'm really interested to see like what, what they're going to say, but um, what they're going to do for us hosts. Cause they've kind of screwed yeah. us. We'll get into that in a second too. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but uh, more or less like the, the cancellation policy is the extenuating circumstances policy that Airbnb has that in case of something like this, um, some extenuating circumstance, um, the guests can be full hundred percent refunded no matter what the host's cancellation policy is. Now I, I had had, a uh, strict cancellation policy like just that's it's a business like if you can't I, I do strict as well yep yeah but like so but with this extenuating circumstance uh policy it was tough luck to the host like it is what it is like safety is the most important thing but um everybody was canceling all hosts income were pretty much gone um and then I, i've done a couple things since to try to get more bookings. Um, I've more than cut my prices by 50%. A lot of my nights are, are 70% off um, for this time of year. So like I'm, I'm pretty much like if somebody wants to travel or if somebody wants to quarantine them, themselves to be away from somebody who's sick or, or whatever, like they can come and stay at my places. And, and I've seen a lot of success in that um, so far. And, and I've changed how I market some of my properties just to to show that it can be a full experience where like you can quarantine yourself and like, and still have a good time. Um, because there's quarantine like, in a pool. <laughs> yeah. Like exactly. Like a pool, like you got a nice in unit pool, you got Netflix, you got prime video, like you, you got a nice kitchen grill, like you have everything you possibly need to like chill here. And you got a Walmart that is a mile away it, to get groceries and then come back. So like, to, to show that it's a full experience it, in these weird times, because you don't know if people are going to want to travel or not um, making sure that your place is super clean. But like I, I've started to see consistent bookings. Um, and I've also seen uh, had people that booked that then were like, Hey, because of the situation, do you mind if we extend? So I've had four people asked to extend their stays um, to, to the point where like my calendars are starting to get back to more full ever since I started slashing the prices and changing how I market the, the places a little bit. Um, since then my, my calendars have started to fill up, uh, but it's just at extremely discounted prices. So the, the, from an income standpoint uh, for this month and next month, now that Trump announced that um, they want this self quarantine, all the stuff to continue through the end of, uh, th- through the end of April. Now I'm just trying to like pay the mortgage pay all the expenses hope to come out even or like a little bit in the hole. Um, but just don't, don't, don't like leave the place empty. If people want to travel, I've had a couple of nurses reach out that want to do longer stays. So like stuff like that, um, has been really, really, uh, helpful to keep, keep people booked or keep me booked and, and my calendar somewhat full with some income. Right. I mean, I mean, this is just where we're at. Unfortunately, when this first started coming around, I didn't have that many cancellations until, the point where I had, you know, at least 12 cancellations come in and just, I want to read this off the Airbnb website for what a strict cancellation policy is. Cause I also exercise the strict cancellation policy. So anything 14 days or more be- before they're booking, they get a fully refund that they cancel um, 14 days or less. It is for a full refund of accommodated fees. Cancellations must be made within 14 48 hours of booking at least 14 full days prior to listing local check-in time. Um, for 50% refund of accommodated fees, cancellation must be made seven full days prior to listings local check-in on the day of check-in, otherwise no refund. For example, if check-in is on Friday, cancel by Friday of the previous week before check-in time. And then uh, if the guest cancels less than seven days in advance or decides to leave early after check-in, the nights not spent are not refunded. So take that. It just gets thrown right out the window, you know? So I had 10 to 12 guests who I should have been keeping 50% of their, their stay for the most part. 
and Airbnb just said, no, we're overriding the cancellation policy due to what's going on. And I think that's made a lot of Airbnb hosts upset. And it's also affected them negatively because they have overhead costs, they have mortgages, they have taxes, they have an insurance that they have to pay on these properties and now they can't. And that's affected a lot of people. So now today, uh, 6 p.m. Eastern for us, I believe it is, uh, Airbnb is going to tell us something about what they're going to do for the host because they, they've really done the host dirty, so to speak. I mean, even people that had renter's insurance, they didn't even exercise that aspect of it. I, I mean, with what's going on with this whole virus and the cancellations and people not being able to pay rent or mortgage because they're not working, the, the people that are going to be able to stick this out, I think, are going to be the ones that are going to be successful in this, the start to this quote-unquote recession and where you're actually going to find good deals on these properties coming here soon. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm I'm extremely one. I'm interested to see what Airbnb is actually going to do for the host um, in general. Like, I, I've set myself up to be able to still like float the mortgages if I need to, but I know a ton of hosts are probably not in the best spot. Uh, whether it's because they're doing rental arbitrage, which I understand why people do it, I'm not a fan of it. For me, just it's just yeah. what I want to do, but like whether they're doing rental arbitrage or like this is their, one of their main sources of income um, that helps pay all their bills. Like this is, it's a significant impact um, to all the hosts. So yeah, I don't know how the stimulus package could, could impact it. Like it'll be extremely interesting to see. I hope they take the high road, but like what the high road is for hosts. I don't, I really don't even know like what that would look right like. at this point, what it could be. So yeah, for those that aren't aware, Airbnb uh, arbitrage, what that is, is basically you don't own a property. You uh, you rent out a property, you rent out an apartment, and then you furnish it, and then you Airbnb it. So let's say for easy math, uh, rent is $500 a month. You need to, plus utilities, which we'll say is like $600 per month, you need to make more than $600 a month to make profit on that. Keep in mind, you have to get internet on the property, you have to pay to, to furnish the property. And the, the way I look at that is it's much better because yeah, that's a zero down method. All you have is your security deposit and then you're paying the rent each month. But now if you have no one renting, you have all these rents that you have to pay and that money goes towards nowhere. It's not building equity or anything versus let's say it cost me a thousand dollars for a mortgage to get a, a duplex. And now I don't have to charge extra as the landlord to make up the difference. So let's say someone that owns that apartment, they're paying $500 a month to rent it. The landlord probably only has to pay $400 a month for the mortgage on it, but they have to charge the additional. So if you own the property, you're able to make that much more. So I'm assuming that's why you like that a little bit better. I mean, yeah. I, the whole reason why we're doing this, cause we don't want to rent, you know, we don't ever want to have yeah. to do the whole renting thing again. We want to own and we want to build equity and uh, cash flow and gross off of this whole process. Yeah, absolutely. I, like I, I don't, I'm not fully against rental arbitrage, but I just think how, how certain people are selling it is very, very scary um, for people that like want to get in this business, but are not financially in the right spot to get in it because like, it sounds good. It sounds good from the beginning. Cause it's like, Oh, just like rent and then like buy furniture and you're good. So like the upfront costs aren't going to be that expensive, but like what happens when, what happens when a landlord doesn't want to renew your lease? Like, what do you do with all the furniture? Like, how do you move all that stuff and, and get it into a new property? Like if you're not paying down you're, and you're not building up any equity. So like all that, all that money is going straight out the window. All the rent money is going straight out the window. So there's just different things that I'm not, I understand why people do it. It's just not. For me. Who's, who's the guy who does the Airbnb arbitrage? He like has the book on it or whatever. Do you know, uh, I'm not sure who, but I, the one of the guys I was talking to early on before I got in, uh, I think he's he's a little bit of a scam. Yeah, so basically there was this one guy who's advertising Airbnb arbitrage, how amazing it is, and he's like, I have a book. If you order it, all you have to do is pay shipping and handling, which is $10. If you don't like it, we'll reimburse you for it and keep the book. So me as an investor, I'm always looking for, you know, different routes. So I was like, all right, you know, I'll get the book, I literally get it in the mail. It's like this little pamphlet, like this big, and you open it up and it's like pictures this big. And there's like, it looks like you're reading like a child's book because it's just like little words at the bottom of the big picture. And I was like, this is literally garbage. So I emailed him. I was like, yeah, I'll take the refund on that. Cause this is a joke. And, uh, he's gotta be getting killed right now with what's going on. Uh, yeah, the, the guy that I was talking to lives out in San Diego and was boasting about how he's making $3 million a year. And all he does is arbitrage. Like, 
all he does. Yep. And like that business has to be getting crushed right now. Exactly. Yeah. So on the second episode of this, uh, of the real estate investing podcast I have here, Richard Garcia was my guest and it, he was talking a little bit. He's very against Airbnb, how he thinks it's, it's a job and they, the host basically con- or Airbnb controls the host, whatnot, which yes and no. I mean, there's pros and cons of everything. And it was funny. So my, my mom was listening to the podcast and she's like, this is all going on and everything. And she's like, that Richard guy from your second podcast was right. How like the hosts have no say and they get, you know, uh, they get trumped basically on their cancellation policy. So it's just funny because he is right. And if you follow him on Instagram, he's talking all about it. Um, but again, there's pros and cons, cons with every aspect of investing. I mean, um, like the, so no matter what part of the real estate game that you're in, even if you're in long-term, because I'm in long-term as well, like that's a, that's a difficult game to be in right now also because mm-hmm. you have, you have people that are, are, can't pay their rent because they lost their job. So like it, every, every industry is being impacted significantly now for landlords. It doesn't matter like what you're trying to rent commercial, residential, long-term, short-term, like it, everything's being impacted. So like it's, it's, uh, everybody's going to be right. If, if they say like this, this way is better than that way. Like the reality right. is it, it's just a tough situation for, for people in general, especially if they were in some of those industries where, where their jobs are gone. Um, right. and waiting for, I, I haven't looked into it, but waiting for whatever the stimulus package is going to deliver to them from yep. a standpoint. And I mean, no one has a crystal ball. No one can predict what's going to happen, how long this is going to go on for, or what business is going to thrive the most besides grocery. I mean, grocery is the only business that's going to be doing really well right now because I mean, they're, they're flourishing. Their shelves are empty and every time something goes on it, it goes off immediately. So their numbers are probably through the roof. Yeah. But. So, yeah. I, so I, I actually, I work for Walmart and uh, on the e-com side and I could tell you like we're hiring 150,000 people because <sighs> can't like, we literally cannot keep our DCs shipping volume to our stores and the, the, the shelves stay stocked. Like we we're trending in a better direction now. Um, but same thing with our e-com fulfillment centers, like, and it's the same thing with Amazon and, and other big companies like Amazon announced not too long ago that they're not going to be shipping anything that's considered non-essential, like everything that's not what we would call everyday living items. So just like toilet paper, paper towels, like dry food, stuff like that, non-perishable food. Um, any of that, they pretty much said, Hey, we can't handle the volume. We want to make sure we ship the right stuff. So like, we're don't expect any like books and stuff like that to, to be coming anytime soon. So it's definitely, it's, it's, it's good in a sense for big, big companies, um, that can handle this and, and have the grocery aspect, uh, target us, Amazon, some others, but it's really, really bad for, um, the small local businesses, um, with, with everything going on. Right. Like I get the big e-commerce giants, they're prioritizing of what they're shipping out. Cause I was surprised. I'm like, all right, so I'm working from home. I'm at my office at home. I'm not doing much work. Let's order some more books so I can, you know, do some more reading. So I ordered three books through prime and it was like April 29th. It'll be here. I was like yeah, a luck. month. <laughs> you might as well do audible at that point. Exactly. Yeah. So, all right. Awesome. So we're going to get into uh, another quick segment. It's called the curious cues. So I'm going to go over a series of questions and I just want uh, to fire off quick answers from you. So uh, first question, uh, your favorite podcast you like to listen to. Ooh, uh, I would say between choose up by bigger pockets money uh, and the new one, bigger pockets rookie. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. I had uh, Felipe and Ashley, they were on the show one week and one week um, right before they announced it. I was trying to get them before they blew up big. <laughs> yeah, I actually had uh, so Felipe's out here in Florida and uh, last week I went to pick them up in Daytona um, and we, we hung out and drank some beers and, and uh, talked to real estate and showed them the triplex and everything. So there you uh, go. And I love Ashley. I've been talking to uh, with her on Instagram for for six months, and she's she's killing it. Yeah, uh, Felipe, he's awesome. I had him on. We've been texting a little bit, and then Ashley, she lives uh, two cities away from me, so we're gonna try to get together here. Oh, soon. that's right. Yeah, she does live. Yeah, I forgot yep. that. She's in Buffalo. I'm in Syracuse. So she's not too far. Um, uh, favorite book? Dang. Uh, I swear if you say rich dad poor dad, man. No, no, it's not. No, no, absolutely. I, I mean, it's a it's a good book. 
like if you haven't read it, you need to read it, but it's mm-hmm. definitely not the, the best. Um, so I would say it, uh, it really depends um, on if it's mindset or business for mindset, productivity. Uh, I really, really like the one thing. I actually started reading it, uh, picked it back up again um, yesterday morning. Gary started, Keller. Yep. The one thing by Gary Keller. Um, I'm, I'm big into like mindset and personal development too. And I think uh, if, you, if you've never heard of Outwitting the Devil by Napoleon Hill, uh, really incredible book. It's, it's like Napoleon Hill is having a conversation with the devil and the devil talks about how he gets people to like drift through life and, and just like not really pay attention to what's going on. And uh, that's a really, really good book. Okay. Awesome. Biggest hurdle you've had to overcome in real estate. Uh, COVID-19. <laughs> I, I would say, uh, but yeah, I mean, the, what's going on right now for sure is, is the biggest thing. And it, like, honestly, for me, I'm happy it's happening now um, because like, it's an awesome opportunity to, to learn from this experience um, and be able to, to set myself up to, um, to be able to be ready for these in the future. Because it's yeah. going to happen again. Something like this is going to happen again sometime. Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, favorite part of investing? Uh, working my way towards time freedom. Nice. Okay. Yeah. So just allocating more time towards yourself and personal stuff you'd like to do. Yep. Okay. Uh, biggest hero. Ooh, goodness. Biggest hero. I'm a big, uh, I'm a big Mark Cuban fan. Uh, mainly I think because I'm from Dallas and, uh, I'm a big Mavericks, all Dallas sports, but, and I like love him on shark tank. He's funny. (laughs) Yeah. Like he, he just seems like such a cool guy to like, you'd want to go grab a beer with. Um, I, yeah, I would say, I would say Mark Cuban maybe. Okay. Two more, uh, favorite non real estate related hobby. Golf. Golf. Okay. You're a big golfer. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a scratch golfer and I, I just love, uh, I was a tennis player in college and, uh, now my interests have shifted over to golf. So living in Orlando is awesome. And the other amazing thing is, um, golf courses in Orlando are actually viewed as essential businesses because, <laughs> because uh they are uh they're considered essential because when i heard this i was dying because they're considered exercise and people need to explore <laughs> what do they have like the golf carts locked up so you have to walk no man you still it's like literally operating just like normal and i'm just like you gotta be freaking kidding me right now i, I was hey. talking to a buddy who's uh his wife works for uh golf now and we golfed it at Disney on uh, on Saturday, and I was just talking to her. I'm like, I'm just confused on why golf courses are open, and she manages golf courses in the Northeast, like on Golf Now platform and whatnot. And I was like, Why are they open? She's like, Well, it's because golf courses are are viewed as essential businesses because they're exercise in Florida. That's that's ridiculous. I mean, you got the uh, the Happy Gilmore swing in there. I'm sure you use that, right? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. A little walk up to the, yeah. The, uh, the whole essential business thing cracks me up because we, my family and I, we've gone to get ice cream like four times this week. I don't know how the ice cream stands still open as essential. <laughs> I think any food, any, uh, any food place essential no matter what. Yeah. The, the people, the family that owns the ice cream stand, they're just like, Oh, like they literally walked in. They already knew our order. It's like, Oh, that's bad. <laughs> <laughs> that's not good. Uh, last question, uh, newbie advice. So what advice would you give to a new real estate investor or someone that's looking to get started? Yeah. So, so I've, I've given this advice on a couple of podcasts that I've been on, but I, like, I really, really believe that people need to take action and you hear that often, but like, it's so easy to, like, if you talk about like real estate, if you talk about stocks, it's so easy to say, Oh, well, I want to try to time the market. Or like, I want to try to get in at the when it's low, like, yes, everybody wants to, to get the best deal and like pay the best price and everything. But the reality is you won't know if this is the right thing for you. Um, and you won't know how to do it until you really take action and actually go do it. Um, you can read all the books you want. You can listen to all the podcasts you want. Um, you can read all the blogs you want, but you will not be able to understand whether or not this is right for you until you take action and you go do it. So that's the biggest advice for me is like, do the, re- do the research, like make sure your numbers, like you think your numbers work, but at the end of the day, you need to take action. 
Right. Awesome. No, I think that's great advice. And I always tell people if you've listened to this podcast before, you've heard this for everyone. Um, you're never going to learn how to swim unless you jump in the water. And th- that's the most true thing. Cause when I got started, I was, you know, I had that analysis paralysis stage where I just kept analyzing deals, looking at deals, doing research, reading books. And I was like, I'm getting nowhere. I'm not getting anything out of this. So I literally just went found a property. I put an offer in and I was like, let's do this thing, you know, <laughs> and that's how you get started. Absolutely. Awesome. So Travis, thank you so much for being on the, uh, the podcast this evening. Where can people connect with you, learn more about you and uh, check out what you're up to? Yeah, the, the best place to connect with me is um, on my Instagram. So it's at the young retiree by 33 with uh, 33 being the numbers three, three. And then I also have a blog, uh, the young retiree by 33.com. So awesome. No, that's sweet. I, uh, I'll check on you in six years, but I think you'll be retired by the uh, much before then. I think, I don't think it's going to take you six years at the, the rate you're going right now. I have, I have some, uh, some big goals. So we'll see, we'll see how quick we can get there. Awesome. Sweet. So thank you, Travis, for uh, coming on the show, talking about Airbnb and a little bit about your uh, portfolio properties and some questions. So uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for having me. No problem. Thanks for listening. We hope you took something away from today's episode. For more information, you can find us on Instagram at Dante Belmonte. See you next time.